And with that word, that prayer, we uh, open God's word today to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9, I'll begin reading at verse 28. This is after uh, Peter has confessed that Jesus is the Christ, and then Jesus has told his disciples that it will entail his suffering. And then we read these words, Luke chapter 9, verse 28. It's page 1609. About eight days after Jesus said this, he took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Peter and his companions were very sleepy, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with them. As the men were leaving Jesus... Peter said to him, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what he was saying. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and enveloped them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came from the cloud saying, This is my son whom I have chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The disciples kept this to themselves and told no one at that time what they had seen. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd called out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. A spirit seizes him, and he suddenly screams and throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples to drive it out, but they could not. Oh, unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, How long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Bring your son here. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. But Jesus rebuked the evil spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. They were all amazed at the greatness of God. If you've been to the mountaintop, you know the exhilaration, whether the top of Half Dome or that life-changing moment at high camp, you know there's almost nothing better in life. You've been amazed by God's great goodness. No one ever wants to come down from the mountaintop. You want it to last forever. When Jesus went up onto a mountain, God's glory showed up. Peter, John, and James went with. They went up to pray. And suddenly they witnessed an unbelievable moment in God's presence. Jesus was changed. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning. It's a theophany. That's when God shows up. God reveals something of his nature. God appears in all his glory. It's a bit of a trademark for God. God often showed up on a mountain. Showed up to Abraham on Mount Moriah. Moses met God in a burning bush on Mount Horeb and later received the Ten Commandments on top of a mountain. God spoke to Elijah in a quiet voice on top of a mountain. And now Peter, John, and James go up a mountain to pray and they meet God's glorious presence in Jesus. Jesus' transfiguration signals the presence of God's glory. 
The incident really is a a reminder of the Exodus story. God showed up to Moses on Mount Sinai. The glory of God, called Shekinah glory, descended like a cloud. It says this, The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to come to you in a dense cloud so that the people will hear me speaking with you and will always put their trust in you. Something similar is happening here. God is present in splendor. Jesus' transfiguration reveals God's glory. Really, the flow of the Gospel of Luke has brought us to this point. Early on, God spoke words of affirmation at Jesus' baptism. You are my son whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. And then Jesus was sent into the desert for temptation. The words that God spoke launched Jesus into a life of preaching. And by his actions, Jesus brought God's kingdom to life. He healed the sick. He exercised demons. And then, right before this mountaintop event, Peter declares that Jesus is the Christ. And Jesus informs his disciples that he will suffer and die. In this context, in this context where he's talking about his death, Jesus is transfigured. It seems like an affirmation for who he is. The change of his appearance confirms that he really is the Messiah. In fact, Luke hints at this being a new day moment. Notice what Luke says about eight days after Jesus said this. He's not telling us that this is about a week later. Luke is hinting at the resurrection, which many call the eighth day. That is, the resurrection occurred on the day after the Sabbath. Early Christians considered the time of Jesus' resurrection to be an entrance into God's eighth day. A time of new creation, a new creation day. So at the transfiguration, Luke points us to the glory of God that is and will be. In this shining moment, we come to to see that Jesus is the Messiah, just as he claims, just as Peter affirmed. It's a new creation moment. God is about to bring the kingdom in a new way. Jesus took Peter, John, and James up a mountain to see a hint of God's new creation in all its glory. Of course, just like the first creation, there's work to be done. God's glory is the arena for Jesus' work. If we read the story, that's what the disciples got wrong. Despite the splendor all around them, the three disciples don't initially notice. Luke says, Peter and his companions were very sleepy. Peter and his friends are so tired, they're about to nod off. Jesus is shining like a trillion watts of electricity, and they're ready for a nap. The glory of God dazzled, and these three disciples can barely keep their eyes open. But they do. They wake up. They wake up to catch sight of the glory, and immediately Peter suggests building tents. He he seems bent on capturing this moment for eternity. Impulsive Peter can only think one thing. He figured his job is to hang on to this moment. Peter, Peter wanted to build booths. He says, Master, it's good for us to be here. Let's put up three shelters, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Peter saw this as a real kumbaya moment. But he's mistaken. He wants them to hang together like the three amigos, and they aren't. See, Jesus, Moses, and Elijah are not 
on a par with each other. Peter does. He wants to kind of level them out, erect some kind of a prophet hall of fame. Peter wants to put them all on display and capture the moment for perpetuity. But Luke tells us, Peter doesn't know what he's saying. Peter hasn't fully yet captured who Jesus is. Despite confessing him as the Christ, the Messiah, Peter still doesn't get it. So God sets out to set him straight. A cloud descends to cover Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. Like the cloud of Sinai shrouding the conversation between God and Moses. Except in this case, Jesus isn't just one amongst equals. He is the one. He's the long-awaited promised one. He is the one who's about to bring God's new creation into being. That's why Peter's desire can't be fulfilled. He may want to build tents, but Jesus has other work to do. And Luke has already told us about the work Jesus must do. The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. We know this because this is what Jesus is talking about to Moses and Elijah. Luke tells us that Moses and Elijah appeared on that mountaintop. They also were in glorious splendor. And they were talking with Jesus. Now this wasn't a, hey, how's it going kind of chat. This wasn't some prophets meeting with each other to compare notes on their work. Notice what Luke says. They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. That word. Departure is literally exodus. They spoke about his exodus. Now, of course, there's several ways in which we might understand this word exodus. It it could simply mean is going away. Or it could be kind of a euphemism on death, you know, like the phrase we use when we say they're no longer here. No, Luke uses this word for one particular reason. Jesus is heading to his death. Both before and after this transfiguration event, Jesus talks about heading towards suffering, rejection, and death. Going to the cross is the work that Jesus must do. By his death, Jesus will do something just like the exodus of Israel from Egypt. In fact, greater. Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt and home to the promised land. In Jesus' new exodus, he will lead God's people out of slavery to sin and death and home to a new creation, a whole world redeemed. That's why Moses and Elijah are here. They stand as testimony to the whole Old Testament to encourage Jesus to stay the course. The disciples are clueless. They want to build a wall around this blessing. Make a home for it. But where the disciples fail to recognize the importance of this moment, Moses and Elijah, the law and the prophets, are there to offer support. This transfiguration of Jesus was preparing Jesus for the greatest threat he would ever face. Moses and Elijah's day is over. They worked towards God's kingdom, but they were never able to deliver the kingdom of God. But Jesus will. 
Jesus is the one who will lead his people into God's new world. Moses and Elijah importantly prepared the way for Jesus, but now Jesus will finish the job. Just like the first creation. We don't want to get this wrong. There's work to be done. Sleepiness might miss it. Hanging on to the glorious moment would be a failure. Moses and Elijah show up when Jesus is transfigured to encourage him to get on with it. Even God gets in on the act. Just when Peter wants to build tents, just when he wants this to be a forever moment, a cloud descends and God speaks. This is my son whom I've chosen. Listen to him. The voice from the cloud doesn't affirm Jesus as some king who should have a throne erected on this mountain. The voice from the crowd wants to make it unmistakably clear to the disciples that Jesus' suffering and dying must take place. Jesus will go the way of the cross. God shows the disciples the glory of Jesus so that their ears, their eyes will be opened to the truth. As one person notes, it's as if God says to the disciples, everything that had come before in history, symbolized by Moses and Elijah, was being fulfilled in Jesus, the glorious Son of God. So if He tells you He has to suffer and die to make things right again in this world then listen to him because he knows what he's talking about it's no surprise that the church around the world considers the story of Jesus transfiguration the Sunday before Lent begins God's voice points us in that direction listen to him Listen to Jesus when he talks about the way of the cross he must take. Listen to Jesus when he says that all who want to follow must also go the way of the cross. Listen to Jesus if you want any hope of experiencing the glory of God. See, maybe like the disciples, we need to change our perception of Jesus. We like to have a a Jesus that blesses our decisions. We like Jesus to affirm the path that we've taken. We want to house Jesus in a a blessing and and a place that has walls and roof and pews. But what we fail to realize is the blessing of God is meant for leaving. The blessing's meant to come down. The blessing moves out. It's meant to travel into level ground. Jesus' ministry faced rejection, failure, even violence. We can't expect something different for ourselves. If Jesus is God's beloved and He will go the way of the cross, it won't be any different for us, God's beloved children. Listen to Him. Listen to Him because life continues to happen. The next day when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met Him. And a man in the crowd called out. They descend from the mountain and the reality of Jesus' mission becomes evident immediately. The mountaintop experience may exhilarate, but Monday morning and real life always come along. And things are not going well down below. A father is desperate for help. His only child, his son, tormented by a spirit. He suddenly screams. He suffers convulsions. He foams at the mouth. The disciples had tried to help. After all, Jesus had empowered them to go from village to village healing people. And they'd watched Jesus cast out demons. What could be so hard? But the disciples fail. And the man is distraught. The son is in misery. 
It's a mess. You unbelieving and perverse generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you and put up with you? Jesus, the one with perfect faith, faces temptation all over again. After the Father's voice affirmed Jesus at his baptism, he was sent out into the desert to face Satan's temptation. Now, after the Father's voice affirms Jesus in the transfiguration, he's sent out again to face the demonic temptation. The disciples don't understand Jesus and his power. Uh, the, The transfiguration wasn't some glorious Instagram moment. The transfiguration, a moment of blessing from God, is meant to equip Jesus to do God's work. Bring your son here, says Jesus. Now the evil spirit realizes his number is up. Even while the boy was coming, the demon threw him to the ground in a convulsion. Jesus enters in this battle with the demon confident in his father. He knows the father's power over the demonic. Jesus is chosen for this. He is earth's best, calling out earth's worst. Jesus rebuked the impure spirit, healed the boy, and gave him back to his father. And with a shriek, The demons flee. I'm reminded of a scene in the Lord of the Rings in which Gandalf comes into the royal throne room of Theoden. Theoden's an important king, ruler of Rohan, but he comes under the influence of Grima Wormtongue, an emissary of the evil Lord Saruman. Even Theoden's physical appearance shows his captivity. And Gandalf boldly challenges the evil that has Theoden in its grip. Gandalf challenges the darkness to release its hold on Theoden. I bid you come out before your doors and look abroad. Too long have you sat in shadows and trusted to twisted tales and crooked promptings. And Theoden is changed. Most in the story believed Theoden was lost forever to evil. Most of those who surrounded this boy felt hopeless before the spirits that possessed him. Most who watched on that one good Friday thought Jesus was dead. But in each of these cases, life returned. And evil was put on the run. Here's the truth. Jesus brings life. How long? cried Jesus. How long will Jesus bear with us? How long will Jesus have to put up with misguided followers? How long will he have to put up with a world opposed to his father? Well, we know the answer. Jesus will put up with us all the way to the cross. He will fulfill what the father was chosen him to do. Listen to him. Because he'll go to the cross. At the cross, he will bear all things. The disciples' inability, our foolish ways, all our silly attempts to deal with evil without him. Jesus will battle against evil to bring life where we too often foolishly fail. See, Jesus deals with the messy reality we're in by finishing the job he was called to do. Jesus walks the way to glory by taking the journey of suffering and death. He is the Father's chosen Son, chosen to go the way of death for us. Listen to Him. Mountaintops are attractive, 
I suppose it's easier to believe there. I mean, life in the valley is hard. Harder to see the glory. Demons taunt us. Death surrounds us. It's tempting to seek and stay where we're dazzled. But Luke tells us otherwise. He shows us that the mountaintop and the pain of the world go together. I mean, just look at Jesus. He entered into the valley of the shadow of death. In fact, later in chapter 9, Luke says that Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He set his face to go to the cross. He quietly took that dazzling, unforgettable light of God all the way to the cross. So one question remains. Will we go with him? Will we stay awake long enough to keep our eyes open for glory, not only on the mountaintop, but also in the valley? Will we come down with him into the everyday, the mundane, the places where miracles are rare? Will we follow him when all around there are voices clamoring for us to live another way? Will we continue to believe even when crisis is all around us, when death haunts us? Will we stay the course even as Jesus did, going the way of the cross? We won't always have mountaintop faith. There are times when our feeble faith of the valley will be all there is. And it will shine forth with the light that we have seen. But for now, each moment we watch and wait, we discern, we pray, and we follow Jesus. He's the Son whom the Father has chosen. Listen to Him. Listen to Him. Follow Him. Follow Him all the way to the glory of God. In splendor and majesty, God's Word revealed the hope of Israel, transfigured in glory. In splendor and majesty, Jesus set his face toward Jerusalem, choosing the way of suffering and death that would be majestically transfigured into the way of life and hope. We come to this table with joy, praising you, gracious God, for you created heaven and earth, made us in your image, and kept covenant with us even when we fell into sin. And we give you thanks for Jesus Christ, our Lord, who by his life, death, and resurrection opened for us the way of everlasting life. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord, God of power and might. We give thanks to the Lord, our God, and our Savior, Jesus Christ, For the night before he suffered, he gave us this memorial of his sacrifice until he comes again. At the Last Supper, Jesus took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Then he also took a cup.
And when he had given thanks, he says, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. For whenever we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray together. Living God, send your Holy Spirit upon us as we share your heavenly meal. Nourish us with your grace so that we're strengthened to do your work in this world. Unite us with you so that we're renewed. And join us with your covenant people throughout time and space so that all divisions will be healed. May we gratefully and joyfully remember that Jesus, our Savior, lived, died, and rose to give us new life and to make us new creations in Him. And may we live in the hope that we discover through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.